Welcome to the Center for Internet Security's podcast, Cybersecurity Where You Are. Cybersecurity affects us all, whether we are at home, managing a company, supporting clients, or even running a state or local government. Join CIS's Sean Atkinson and Tony Sager as they discuss trends and threats, ways to implement controls and infrastructure, explore best practices, and interview experts in the industry. We are here to bring clarity to these complex issues to bring confidence in the connected world. Well, hello, and welcome to the Center for Internet Security's podcast, Cybersecurity Where You Are. My name is Tony Sager, the uh, Senior Vice President and Chief Evangelist for the for CIS, and it's a pleasure. Uh, every uh, episode, we have a, a conversation with interesting people about some of the topics that you care about, and we try to do it in a way that's accessible to all. So minimal jargon, uh, we hope the maximum information. If you'd like to follow us, uh, subscribe in the usual way. And otherwise, we'll move on. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about things like uh, the uh, CIS controls, but also about the monitoring and the management of them. At the end of the day, we're not with the controls. We're not trying to create the best list in town. We're trying to come up with the best way to help people manage the security problem. So my guest today is Thordis Thornsteins from Panacea, who uh, both a, a great company, but also a good good partner and friend to the Center for Internet Security. So welcome to the podcast, Thordis. Thank you. Uh, just to get our uh, listeners a, a bit of context, uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, background in this business and what you do with Panacea. Yeah, sure. So I am a senior data scientist at Panacea, and my background is mathematics. So I came into the security industry very much from the perspective of kind of implementing uh, mathematical best practices to make sure that we're measuring things in a sound way and getting the insights um, that matter in a reliable and in good way, and and that's great. I'm I'm also a uh, um, started my career as in, in mathematics, also authorities. Uh, oh, great! <laughs> yes, and so I appreciate the the rigor and logic implied. And I thought that was going to be my career, but uh, in the in the very early 1980 or 81 window, I, I wound up shifting to focused computer science, which brought me to kind of the wave that we call cybersecurity nowadays. But you know, the the mm-hmm. rigor implied, and we're interesting. We're entering what I think is an interesting phase in the business. Much more interest in measurability and metrics. And particular mm-hmm. in support of business decision making. So uh, you know the time has come for mathematicians <laughs> to take charge, as we knew it would happen. So tell me, about, yeah, tell me a little bit about Panacea and the, the the kinds of problems that you try to solve for your customer base, or the the role that you all play. Yeah, sure. So um, so for any company, when it comes to security, it's obviously very important to first of all have visibility of the assets that you're trying to protect. Uh, you also need to know what controls should be monitoring or should be um, protecting those assets. And then you need to know whether they're actually working as, as they should be. And in reality, this becomes quite complicated for most companies because what ends up happening is they have a variety of different security tools that don't really speak to each other. So it ends up being a really manual process of gathering data from a lot of different disparate data sources bring it all together and analyzing it. So it becomes both just a very kind of tedious uh, and labor intensive process, but it's also really difficult to to be sure that you're getting high quality data and it leads to companies having not that much trust in the data. So what Panacea does is um, we, we're a continuous controls monitoring platform. So we ingest data from across all the different tools, bring them together to get a cohesive picture of how companies are doing when it comes to security. Uh, and we do an automated analysis. So companies always have an up-to-date, reliable picture. 
and we try to keep it as um, as cohesive as possible so that the most important security decisions are being made based on reliable and up-to-date data. Yeah, wonderful. Tell me, uh, can you give some examples of the types of data sources that, that you ingest or that you find the most valuable? Yeah, sure. So it'd be a range of, I mean, we always, or we often ingest data from um, in-house CMDBs, mm-hmm. uh, from like vulnerability management tools, from patching tools. Um, we even ingest data from uh, like phishing tools that are used to um, for employee training. So we try to ingest data from a wide variety of sources. And by doing that, you can sort of cross-check and you get a, um, a way more extensive list of, for example, the devices that you have than any single source would typically be able to provide you with. So we try to kind of build this really rich and trusted picture of from gathering the data across the different sources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's a sort of implied um, uh, rule in the business, right? More data is better. We all want, of course, we all want data-driven decisions and so forth, but the reality is yeah. so much messier. You know, more data Absolutely. is often more noise. <laughs> Yeah. And it's overwhelming. So the ability to sort through that, uh, find uh, discrepancies, sort of create a, a bigger understanding. There's a term that we use at CIS. It, it came from an old speech I gave years ago, the fog mm-hmm. of more. <laughs> you know, yeah. more, more is not better, right? More is no. often more fog. And so yeah. the ability to, to integrate those, I think, is really important. I also think, you know, you, you are in an important uh, area here, which is the richness of data about security isn't always about security data. No, is, exactly. You know, the, the 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 data that comes with IT operations and with management and with training, and that's an interesting wrinkle, I think is mm-hmm. a, a really powerful way to think of this, right? That is, and, and the idea that humans will be the integration engine has also been implied <laughs> in a lot of our history. You know, well, we just bought more shiny tools, then we'll just Absolutely. let the administrators sort of integrate it all. Well, that has not been terribly successful. So. No, exactly. I mean, it does. It definitely doesn't just link up by default. There's a, you need to be you need to really consciously bring all that data together, and you need to make sure that you're also doing that in a um, in a correct way, so that you're not just kind of propagating on wrong data that's coming from one source, for example. So it's a yeah, it's a really important area to build up that rich and trusted picture. Yeah, and you and you're you're singing the 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 song of the Center for Internet Security. So, <laughs> you know, this, this idea of both um, ongoing understanding, right? It's not Absolutely. about the snapshot in time. It's about an ongoing understanding, and then the the richness of being able to pull together a, a whole picture. You know, the, the notions of visibility. So, in my early days, once I started to speak in the public, and I spent my primary career in government and. Uh, studying this kind of stuff. So I'm one of the, mm. the old people in this business for actually 45 <laughs> years now and counting. But once I started to speak in public, people asked me, what do I need first? And I would give yeah. the traditional answers. Well, you go to NIST and here's a giant document you can yeah. read. And over here is another giant document. And, here's a <laughs> and, and people, no, I, no, that's not, that doesn't help. And I said, well, you know, what really matters first in my view as a lifelong defender is visibility. Absolutely. What do I have? What state is it in? Who can change it? <laughs> what is it looking at? And it was just kind of an intuitive answer, but it's held up pretty well. And I think it's reflected in the marketplace that you know, that you're a part of and that, that what you're doing. So, so yeah. the thing that I think sort of brings the Panacea and the Center for Internet Security together is around this idea of um, uh, automation, right? Controls and, and automation and the, the continuous uh, visibility in there. So uh, part of the 
controls family or the ecosystem that we build around it. We call CAS, right? The Controls Assessment Specification. And mm -hmm. what we've been trying to do is really address this question of um, measurability and monitoring. And so mm -hmm. our, our, our thought, this was started a couple of years ago, was to look at the things that we ask that mm -hmm. are called out, say, in the CIS controls, and take a really hard look at how would I measure this? How would I automate it? What would be uh, you know, a, a neutral way to be very specific and lend itself to this notion of automation? And that got embodied in this thing called CAS, or the Controls mm -hmm. Assessment Specification, which you are one of the early adopters of. Can you, can you give me a little background, sort of what your company's thinking was, right? Is that, was that a good idea or what was attractive to it since you clearly invested some time and, and how that becomes part of the, the things that you offer to your customers? Yeah, absolutely. So um, security frameworks, I think they in general can be really helpful because obviously there's so much that falls in the realm, within the realm of security mm -hmm. and it can be really difficult to know what to focus on. So I think mm -hmm. getting that um, that expert advice from security frameworks is really helpful. But then while security frameworks are very helpful, one of the bits that they typically leave up to the adopters is the interpretation and the implementation. So that's why it's been so great to see CIS, for example, taking that step to not only provide the high level advice, which is very important, but also the lower level um, prescriptive advice about how to actually implement what's intended with this with the framework. And, um, and I think this is something that's really gonna help companies because when, when security frameworks when you're just looking at that high level view, there's so much room for interpretation. And I think particularly companies that are adopting them for the first time and small companies, it can be really difficult to know what to do and to actually assess whether you're doing well. Even though you get the general intention, there's usually a huge leap between that and actually checking what is this server doing, for example. So I think we're, because because we're all about what's measurable and we really want to be able to provide those accurate measurements. That's why we saw CAS as fitting very well in with what we um, what we focus on within Panacea, which is this uh, continuous measuring and then linking that back to security framework. So the companies don't only have measurements, but they have measurements and they link them back to the security frameworks to know what to focus on, which we um, which we envision helps with prioritization and such. That's a critical point, Thordis, and I think uh, you, you've hit upon something that's really important to us at, at CIS. You know, we, it's, it's um, you know, I, I often say, and you just said it in different words, right? In security, we often leave the hard problem up to the reader. You know, the <laughs> interpretation and the history yeah. of, of security frameworks and guidance and best practices is that we gather smart people and we write a narrative. Yeah. Here's an important thing to consider, to do, to whatever. And mm -hmm. then this, there's this kind of wild west of interpretation. And by the way, the, so the, and it's not just one interpretation, right? It's no, the poor, exactly. The poor administrator <laughs> or system designer or architect has to interpret. And of course, yeah. the next auditor that shows up has a different interpretation or the next Absolutely. you know, regulator or whatever the, the governing body happens to be. And so it leads to this expensive repeat work. So what we have tried to do, and, and uh, I appreciate your feedback on it too, is, that, is not to write the best list, but to think through the whole life cycle. So when yeah. we write what we call a safeguard, you know, a recommendation basically, 
we we write it to, to only ask for one thing, and it sounds so simple, but but that's not been the history of the industry, right? We we write, tend to write narrative paragraphs that get interpreted, and partly because yeah. we're trying to cover more cases than one. You know, that's that's been the tradition. But mm -hmm. if you start at the beginning, uh, try to be specific and discreet. You know, ask for one thing, and think through things. Well, it, people aren't just going to read this, right? They're going to implement it. They're going to buy technology. They're going to measure. Yeah. They're going to report to their management. And so the decisions you make up front have tremendous implications for the rest of the life cycle and its cost mm -hmm. and complexity and its interpretation and all those sort of things. So, so, so I think Absolutely. that is a really important theme that, that you're on there also. So, so tell me about working with CAS and you can be, you can be brutally honest with us here at CIS. We, <laughs> we live and breathe on feedback. So how useful was it or so you had to you had to read something right a specification mm -hmm. and then uh, figure out what that meant interpret it uh, in the context of of your tooling and then mm -hmm. look to see how you would pull that together so any any feedback or impressions on that process was it easy was it did it, did it make sense uh, did you understand what to do so i think i mean first of all i think it was just a great step to first of all have that specification available to work against because that was something I hadn't really seen much before. Mm -hmm. uh, as you say, we were obviously very early adopters. So what we found is that a lot of the um, of CAS was set up to suit companies of all sorts of maturities, whether that is companies that have a wide suite of security tools that they're already quite on top of, to companies that are really early on in their security journeys and are managing everything through spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. So we tend to try to do everything uh, in as automated a way as possible and kind of to set it up so that you can get a really, uh, you can do regular measurements to do up-to-date or get an up-to-date view. So um, so what we found is we ended up adjusting some of the measurements from CAS mm -hmm. to be more suited to automatic and regular monitoring. And mm -hmm. so we worked quite closely with the with the CAS team on that and uh, had a very positive experience there. And, and I've got to say, it's really great just to see how open they were as well to get feedback from tool providers. And because and it's very clear that they want this to be, as you say, something that can be adopted and something that's fits in with that whole life cycle, not just like a document that you put out there and then you don't think about, but actually something that can be uh, adopted and provides value. So, um, so yeah, so we work quite closely with them and we've, we've ended up implementing a version that's particularly suited to that automatic measuring, which has worked pretty well for us. Yeah, that's, that's very helpful. And I heard, heard good things from our team also in interacting <laughs> with, with your folks. So we really appreciate that. And it's, as, and you know, the pe people don't realize that CIS is actually a very small company. Uh, <laughs> so you are you are speaking to the principals, right? To the to the people that are directly yeah. responsible for the spec. There is no large think tank or, or army of developers. No, no. But it was great to see how how engaged everyone was. As you say, like mm -hmm. all the way from the top to the people who are doing the very low level work. Everyone was very kind of engaged and and pleasant to work with. Yeah, no, we really appreciate that. And, and so. Uh, you know, you said you hadn't seen this kind of specification before. Had you tried to implement through this, I'll call it in, interpretation without a specification uh, in other frameworks? And tell me a little bit about your experience with that, if you would. Yeah, so we, we do cover a breadth of different security frameworks. And we, um, uh, because we want this to be as useful as possible to the so, users of our platform. And because of the nature of you know, they work in different industries and in different geo regions, so they have slightly different needs when it comes to security frameworks. Mm -hmm. um, so what we tend to do is we work or usually would be kind of um, 
security experts within Panacea that do that interpretation. But mm-hmm. but because it's not prescribed by the um, the framework providers, obviously you do always ma- need to make a decision. So um, you know, so we interpret it the best we can, and then sort of work with customers to make sure that um, we're interpreting it that the interpretation makes sense from their perspective as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think and 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 that's important to do. But one of my concerns has always been, you know, if we leave the interpretation, say, to the vendor in this particular case, right, then someone has the ability to question that later. And I'm yeah, sure you yeah. did a, you know, you have a lot of experience, you do an honest professional job here, but that leaves open this question of interpretation. It sort of keeps cascading along. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and as you know, if you've ever dealt with, and I say this with great respect, right? Regulators <laughs> and auditors, it's highly dependent upon the skill of the person who's asking the questions as to what the answer of course. is going to be. And so you've got, again, a lot of room for, for challenges and um, you know, misinterpretation or different interpretations later. Now, yeah. one of the things that became clear to us is that even with the notion of a specification, that not mm-hmm. all the things that are important uh, lend themselves to automation or to even a specification, right? There, there are other mm-hmm. types of things that are necessary and important to call out in the security framework. Uh, have you, as Panacea, given thought to those kinds of issues? Is there a way that you could recommend for us to think about how to get the handle on things that maybe require, I, I, what I used to, and actually I'd appreciate your feedback on this terminology. <laughs> I used to say there were sort of measurables you know, things yeah. that we could pull from a system, artifacts, registry settings, whatever, uh, that, yeah. that are that are um, again, part of the operation. And then, yeah. but there's also a large class of what we might call observables. You know, things yeah. that don't lend themselves to system artifacts. I might have to have a human take a look. I might need to, you know, it might be embedded in a, in a business process or a document. And those yeah. are a different kettle of fish, right? Those require a different kind of thought. And while you might not be able to get the same fidelity that you're providing with automation and and real tooling, there ought to be some better way to handle it than leave it up to the reader. So any thoughts on the non, the things that don't uh, appear in a uh, thing, something like a CAS? So I think things that fall into this sort of category that's maybe more like self-attestation based. I mean, I think, I think there are certain things that fall into that category. And, you know, while you, you could in theory measure them, it feels like it would just be kind of, you know, a bit of an overkill to do it that way. Right. So, um, But I think even when you even when you are doing things in a sort of your um, sorry, when you're evaluating them in a manual way like that, I think you still need to keep the same best practices as with automation in mind. So I think one thing is um, to make sure that you're always doing the evaluation the same way. So, you know, make sure that you're not because it's Monday today and you're a bit tired and you want to take a shortcut, you test it one way, whereas next month you might have a lot more time, so you do it in a different way. Make sure that you're consistent in how you do the evaluation. And also make sure that it's clear how you're doing the evaluation. So that's both for anyone else who might be doing the same kind of evaluation later in your place, and similarly for anyone who's going to be interpreting the output. And that's just to both to make sure that the um, the outcome is valuable, that everyone is on the same page, and to avoid any unnecessary misunderstandings, because you definitely don't want any security issues to creep in that way, just because you know people are on a different page about what what has actually been done yeah. and what hasn't been done. I, um, I think that's that's exactly right, Thordis. I think um, you know those are more in the nature you might call them auditing guidelines or something. You know that says. You, you know, if, if your scale is one to five, right? Well, here yeah. are the attributes of a one. It looks like this. Absolutely. It might be uh, derived from a common source, you know, an independent source. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, these are the, uh, the the types of evidence that should be examined for a one versus a three versus a five or something. But yeah, there is a, a but you know what's really important, and this is what a lot of what you bring, is to uh, uh, clearly distinguish between the measurable and the observable. Yes, and, absolutely. You know, I, I, uh, we might say sometimes it's yes, automate the automatable. Yeah. You know, there's no excuse for asking humans to try and pull all this together right manually. It just doesn't make any sense, and, and yet it's still very common. So. Uh, the other yeah. point I wanted to play on, because you mentioned uh, uh, dealing with other frameworks. Don't worry, our feelings are not hurt at CIS. You know, <laughs> I, I think we're one of the few uh, framework owners. We're not quite, you know, for a formal framework in the in mm-hmm. the same sense of a ISO or PCI or whatever. But but we're an important part of the ecosystem. But we also yeah. recognize we're not going to be the only one. You know, we no. we have to learn to coexist in in this domain of many frameworks and our our data says that many of our adopters they don't deal with one framework they deal with several and up to 10 or more you know yeah. depending on the geography and the type of data they handle and all that and so this idea of 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 uh, you know existence coexistence with them is an important part of what we do and we provide mappings to all that mm-hmm. which also then again we our hope is that if we don't provide them then you have to come up with it or you're yeah. client has to come up with it or the next auditor has to come up with it and it's better for us to just publish it so that folks like you could ingest it if that is helpful to your to your business model so, so mm-hmm. let's uh so so given your background in mathematics i'm going to ask you one of the foundational questions of this business about the <laughs> metrics i mean we yeah. have been talking about metrics since i started in the 1970s and uh, I used to say, boy, I wish I had a dollar for every time someone in a meeting said, wow, security metrics are really hard. <laughs> you know, I could have retired <laughs> 10 years ago. But uh, so given your experience, just, just any, uh, you know, your, your personal thoughts on what constitutes a good metric? What, what should we be measuring? Or what are the attributes of a measurement that would lend themselves to the kind of uh, high automation, continuous uh, world that you see? So I think there's two main themes within that. I mean, I could speak about this for a while, so I'll try and keep it brief. Oh, no, but the, um, <laughs> the the first the first kind of theme is about making sure that it's actually useful. So that is, you know, don't just measure something because you can measure it, but measure it because there's a particular insight that you're trying to get from it, mm-hmm. and make sure that the um, that the measurement or the metric is set up so that it's easily understandable and so that it actually maps to that goal that you're trying to achieve. And then on the other side is making sure that the metric is actually reliable. So there, what you need to look at is you need to look at data quality, for example. Mm-hmm. Is the data that you're using to calculate the outcome of the metric of sufficient value? Is it up to date? Is it understandable? Is it reliable? Um, and yeah, so you need to need to make sure that you're following uh, that you're following a sound um, process there where you're using quality, high quality data um, as input, you're using a metric that's well and clearly defined, and then you're pres- presenting the outcome in a, an understandable way and in a way that actually suits the goal. So, um, you know, you might choose different presentations, for example, like let's say, I don't know, if there's a particular security issue that um, you're particularly worried about with the most critical devices that you have. Like, let's say there's like 10 devices that absolutely cannot go down because the business will fall over if that happens. Mm-hmm. Then you might need to ch- um, to choose to present the metric differently for that subset rather than like 
the rest of it. So you really make sure to focus on what matters, focus on what matters to the business and to achieve, make sure that the business is secure and achieving its security goals. I, I, I can just hear your, your mathematics background coming out. <laughs> <laughs> There's a quality concern. Yeah. Relevant. Yep. Uh, normalization. Absolutely. You know, that we have these many sources of data. And yeah. I think one of the things that we have tried to think about at CIS is, you know, we have lots of data, but it's sort of um, uh, any one of them is valuable in its own right. But when you try to combine them, it's a messy, ugly problem. <laughs> you know, yeah. so this idea of, uh, w for example, we work a lot with threat intelligence companies who mm -hmm. uh, you know, are willing to share uh, often in public documents, right, the summary of the attacks they have seen. Mm -hmm. And so that's great data. That's useful, right? That is, this represents real life. Bad things are happening, <clears throat> but the, the either combining of them or the translation of them is very challenging because of the, the wide variety of uh, sources, their quality, their yeah. timeliness. And so, <clears throat> you know, it takes some careful thought. And then of course, at the end of the day, we're not, we're not reading numbers for the sake of reading numbers. We're trying to say, how does it apply to my business? And yeah. so I think that's very wise to think about that sort of, how do I, present them in a way that is really relevant to the decision-making. At the end of the day, this is about decision-making, right? You, you know, you're not providing data because people like to look at dashboards because they want to make a decision based upon it. So yeah, I appreciate that, that, that this is, um, you know, a challenge, uh, this, this notion of metrics are really at the heart of how we're going to make uh, progress at scale, you know, if we are, if we are going to, because this is the way we deal with risk in the rest of our lives, right? You know, around yeah, absolutely. traffic accidents or public health or you know, any other, risky domain. So I really appreciate, the, again, that uh, the, the pioneering work that companies are doing to think about these things and how to bring them together. Any thoughts on, so as <clears throat> as you've pulled together data from all these different sources, right? Mm -hmm. You've had to deal with all these challenges. Any thoughts yeah. on any feedback for the, the creators of such data? <laughs> so it's <laughs> another area we've tried to think about CIS. That is the, the act of implementing tells you Wow, if we if the data had said this were was collected in this way or was normalized in this way to start with, this would be an easier problem. Any thoughts about that kind of feedback? That if you could magically tell all the the the, the sensors and and scanners and so forth, uh, 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 give them some guidance. What would it be to help simplify the problem of integration of, of translation into business metrics? So I think the first step is probably good documentation. It sounds very boring, but um, <laughs> just being clear about what you're actually um, what you're actually presenting. So, like if a, if a tool has an API to access the data, for example, be really clear about what data you're pulling or what you're able to pull from there, and like what it means, because it's really easy for misinterpretations to happen without people noticing. So just listing any assumptions they made on the data list any um, known data quality issues, um, document things like how frequently it gets updated, um, what what kind of data quality checks are being done and what sort of standard is the data being maintained at. I think it's like that, documenting that and and presenting it to whoever is pulling the data. I think that's, that's the number one. I mean, the kind of more future looking would be to kind of try to centralize a bit better so that mm -hmm. Um, so that we're not having to always reinvent the wheel for every single tool, but instead try to find common ways to talk about the same things. But but I think that's something that's going to be a lot more effort. So I think that's somewhere a lot farther down the line. <laughs> no, thank you for this. And, and, and you know, I've just asked you to solve some of the hardest <laughs> problems <laughs> in the business here. So I really appreciate your thought on it because uh, these are not easy. But, you know, I, again, no. 
in the way I talk about CIS sort of designing the security uh, request, right, the requirement in a way that we know yeah. it's going to be automated, we'd love to see the creators of data recognize the data is meant to be integrated in ways that I can't anticipate. And therefore, yeah. we'll to make that easy, right, for those. That Absolutely. <laughs> and in the early days of this business, a lot of the really, I think, interesting data was, well, I call it bound up, right, in the in that vendor's proprietary interface, their custom mm -hmm. dashboard or whatever yeah. it was. And, you know, so everyone thought they would be the only solution to the problem. Yeah. And, and so therefore, I, I keep it all within kind of my vertical or my pipeline or whatever the model is. And well, of yeah. course, that, that's not realistic and it's not actually helpful in the long run. Right. It, no. you, know, you know, this tug between, I'll call it uh, a, a cooperating ecosystem and vendor lock in is a, is a challenge for the industry. Right. We're always trying to figure out how to make this, uh, you know, effective. And, and you know, my guess is Panacea is clearly on the open ecosystem, you know, based upon <laughs> product and your behavior with folks like us. So we really appreciate you thinking there. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, this whole model now, this continuous controls monitoring. Mm -hmm. It feels like an idea has come, right? Oh my gosh, a, isn't there a Gartner quad or something on this now? So therefore, <laughs> you know, it's made the big time. And yeah. I, I think Panacea is recognized as, as a real pioneer in this. Tell me a little about your about you know, the Panacea perspective on this, this idea and how important it is and how you see the marketplace emerging in, in, uh, in the uh, continuous uh, controls uh, monitoring. So Panacea has been pioneering um, CCM since uh, around 2017. And the standpoint that we took was very much that um, we saw companies that were doing security measurements really infrequently and mm -hmm. for good reasons, because it was very manual. It was complex and it, there was no kind of easy way to get these measurements and pull the data together really quickly to get an up-to-date view and in a lot of cases we found that uh, a lot of the security measurements were maybe only being done let's say yearly or every six months to kind of fill in either a report or or um to give data for regulatory purposes but as anyone working in security knows it's not enough just to know how you're doing every six months or every three months even because problems can occur with no no notice at all. So it's really important to have that up-to-date view. So that's why we really focus on this continuous controlled monitoring where um, what we're um, doing is doing that really regular and up-to-date measurements so that the important decisions of the company can be made with reliable and up-to-date data. Mm. And uh, and as for vision in the future, I mean, obviously, we just want that to we want that to continue growing um, and be more widely adopted because, you know, it, it's just so important to have that reliable data when you're making decisions. And a really key part of that is to make sure that it's up to date and that you're getting the cohesive view that you get from combining data from all your different sources. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the, uh, the the insight, and again, appreciate the the early work that Panacea is doing in that. You, do you see this as a model that applies to all control frameworks or uh, independent of frameworks? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we as you as you mentioned before, actually, a lot of companies will not only look at a single security framework, but they mm -hmm. will look at a number of them for for many different reasons, and we really want this to be empowering the insights that are being um, delivered against all those different frameworks because you know if a company has committed to um, to monitoring 
any particular part of the security space, then it's important that those insights are reliable and up to date. So, uh, so yeah, so we really want this to be done completely regardless of framework. Yeah, I think they, you know, we, we've talked about the um, and sort of an ideal, idealized model, right? Compliance is a way of life. It's, it's not yeah. going away. And so uh, what best case you would want compliance to be aligned with good practice. And yes. the data, most of the data that demonstrates compliance ought to flow from the technology, not be yeah. a separate report. And I remember, mm -hmm. uh, you know, talking to a number of system owners. They said, well, you know, this auditor comes in and, you know, he, he wants everything to say red, not green, or happy, not glad, or you know, sad, <laughs> not miserable. And the next auditor comes in and they have a different idea. And we wind up taking the same data and massaging it in different ways to represent for somebody else. And that feels yeah. so wasteful. And it absolutely is, right? And so the idea is, you know, so part of it is I think, you know, folks like us at, at CIS, as we and we interact with lots of the frameworks that are out mm -hmm. there. Right? We all ought to be moving towards a model that really encourages automation uh, encourages, you know, the uh, and again, I think this is right in line with uh, your company's philosophy. You, you know, it's more important to have the automated machinery in place than it is to have a really good snapshot once every six months or a month or whatever. And Absolutely. so one of the things you want to verify, and it, it is worth having independent auditing, right? Verification. But what you really want to verify is that the machinery is in place and is operating, not yeah. that the result is exactly this on any given day, because then the next day it's going to be different. So yeah. it's really important to make that part of the way we look at systems and we verify that these kinds of things are in place. They are they have all those attributes you talked about, right? Reliability, uh, that mm -hmm. I can represent them in, in the business context and so forth. What about the, the broader uh, ecosystem of tools? You know, GRC tools is another area that is, we've interacted with or other types of network management tools, uh, I, you know, uh, IT operations. A any thoughts about the broader ecosystem and, and all this? We've hinted at some of them about, because many of them are tool source, or I'm sorry, data sources for you. But mm -hmm. any thoughts about sort of where, where that ought to be? Or do you see yourself interacting with other parts of this as an evolution of your products? Yeah, so in that space, we have, for example, partnered with RSA Archer. So we see those sort of um, partnerships between uh, continuous control monitoring platforms like ours and GRC tools as being really valuable. GRC tools, they're kind of uh, qualitative in nature as they're typically used um, today anyway. So a lot of times it would be sort of question-based answers mm -hmm. that are fed into the GRC tool. But we see a lot of potential to bring more automation in there. So, I mean, as we touched on before, there are certain things which can't really be automated in a meaningful way. You know, like, do you have this policy in place, for example? You can measure it, you can go and automatically check it, but that's probably not the best um, usage of resources. So, mm -hmm. so what we really see happening is that GRC tools, they're these kind of high level tools that sit um, towards the top where there's kind of insights that people use across the business. And to, feed, to generate that view, uh, you combine the self-attestation insights that where it doesn't really make sense to automate them. And then the things that can be automated absolutely should be, and mm -hmm. that should be fed into the GRC tool. So where it makes sense to have that automated view where you need up-to-date information, you're, get, you're generating that automatically and you have an up-to-date view, and then you supplement that with the um, accompanying self-attestation facts. Yeah, I think that that is a 
and that sounds like a rational, reasonable path, right? <laughs> Why can't we yeah. get to rational and reasonable here? But, and, uh, you, you know, a lot of the industry, and, and again, the, the, that I grew up in, uh, self-attestation is like, oh, that's evil. It's yeah. <laughs> People lie. Well, guess what? People lie on their taxes. People do all kinds of crazy things. But Absolutely. It's, it's not, you know, in this world where we've separated the automatable and then been yeah. very crisp in, in these things that are, require, and I'll just use the term observables, right? Some observation yeah. by human beings, for example, with some mm -hmm. guidelines that we talked about, that is, you know, you don't just get to make it up. You have to, you have to fit into these categories. Here's the evidence or the attributes yeah. of data in these categories, and mm -hmm. you provide some. Uh, there might be artifacts, right? A, a plan, a management process that's documented, and so forth. I think there's yeah. a really important role for self-attestation. You know, that is, uh, that can be verified later, right, by an independent human being or whatever your process might be. But if we yeah. don't spend time thinking about that, we're really throwing away something important. And part of attestation uh, is you have to tie it to some, you know, if someone lies right? or yes, is mistaken, then there has to be some <laughs> consequence to that. And that's OK. You know, that, that, again, that is consistent with we don't expect perfection in uh, commercial air travel. And we would love it to be or public yeah. health. We would love it to be. But, you know, that's not real life. And so no, having exactly. a way to manage that, I think, is, is really critical. Otherwise, again, we, we're always struggling with you know, how do I make a reasonable decision and how do I explain it to someone afterwards? That's, that's what really eats up a lot of time, I think, in this business. It's hard enough Absolutely. to just figure out how to defend myself and then buy tools and train and operationalize. But at the yeah. end of the day, we have to explain this to somebody, you know, a lawyer, a Definitely. judge, a regulator. And so we want that and to be, I don't know about you, but I want people spending 80% of their time on identifying and doing the right thing, not not explaining it to other people. Not just absolutely, absolutely. And I think for both, for both sides, for the kind of the observable and the measurable, like, I mean, it's still the same principles that we're using for all of it, but it all just comes down to, as you say, in use and time in a way that makes sense. I mean, security folks, they've got plenty on their plates already and mm -hmm. performing a, a repetitious task, like doing the same measurement every month and without um, or where it could be automated and where they're not adding any kind of extra value by their security expertise. That's just not a good a good usage of their time. So it's way better. Anything that can't be automated, automate that. Anything where it doesn't make sense to automate it, where you do need either that security expertise or you it simply would just be um wouldn't really make sense to automate it. Use the kind of self-attestation method there, but for both categories, use the same principles about being transparent, mm -hmm. uh, being Very clear good. about what you're what you're doing, and presenting the results in an understandable way. Yeah, very well said. I think that's important. And that, again, the, the noble purpose here is we, we save human beings for things that are worthy of their time and attention. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, Moving together uh, to a better world. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, so as we, as we wind down, Thordis, any, any uh, last thought or any uh, thing that you'd like to bring up that has not come up in the conversation today? I think one thing that I haven't really touched on is um, to keep things simple, because I think there's a real tendency to think that... Um, something that's well done needs to be complex and of course we can't like i mean we're working in a complex space where there's a lot of different security tools and a lot of different people and a lot of different requirements that come in this is so important to not introduce any unnecessary complications and the reason for that being is that you know when things are simple it's a lot easier to understand what's going on it's a lot easier to spot any issues and it's a lot easier to um for anyone else that's using the output to 
to be sure of what you're doing and be confident using that result. So avoiding unnecessary complications is uh, something that I'd highly recommend. Well, well Thordis, I, I can tell exactly why uh, Panacea and CIS have clicked uh, so <laughs> on, this, um, you know, on our version eight of the controls and on the integration of CAS into your tool set. So you are <laughs> right in line with us philosophically. And we really appreciate that. And you know, again, the, the CIS model is not possible. You know, we are not a think tank or a giant development company, right? It's not possible for us to have the influence that we do without this wide range of partnerships and volunteers, and great, great industry to work with and the friends across yeah. the entire ecosystem. So we really appreciate the contributions that Panacea and your team have made to, to the work that we do and to the, our mutual cause of, of better security <laughs> for everybody, right? For your customers and the rest of the ecosystem too. So with, with that, Absolutely. we'll wrap up. We really appreciate it. And thank you for uh, both your time here today, but also for the, the work that we have done together and on the work I'm sure we'll be doing together in the future. So, uh, and with that, uh, to the audience, thank you for joining us again for another episode of the CIS podcast. Uh, you know, subscribe, find us through the usual means. Uh, uh, you know, we, we, are, we do our best to take on topics and interesting people that uh, we think will bring some insight into your struggles and to help us uh, together find a way to improve the cybersecurity for all of us. So uh, with that, we're signing off for another episode. See you next time. And thank you again. Thank you for listening to the show today. If you are interested in learning more about how to grow your cybersecurity program, the free tools available to help you on your journey, or to get involved with the CIS volunteer community, visit our website at cisecurity.org. Start secure and stay secure.